On today's episode of Citizen the Pod, I begin a special series titled The Real Effects of Incarceration, Where Does Change Start? with India Walton, community organizer at Open Buffalo. I also have a conversation with Hank Porowski, former city of Lackawanna council president, as we discuss the Bob Mueller investigation, FISA warrants, and police interrogations. We have a jam-packed episode. Stay tuned. Citizens, patriots, voters, we are back. It's Citizen the Pod. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day you listen to this. I thank you so much for paying attention to the show. On today's show, I'm going to be talking to my friend, my girl on the ground. She was just in Albany putting in that work. She made it back home safely. I'm happy to see and hear that. India, how are you today? I'm great, living my best life. (laughs) (laughs) On this Saturday morning, it's a little early, but we made it in here. Tell the people a little bit about you. I know you work for Open Buffalo. You're Mm -hmm. a community organizer, but she does so much more than what the title like that's a broad title but and it doesn't say enough what have you been up to um everything so i think the first important thing is like to know what a community organizer is yes definitely and i think that especially in our community we don't realize how much work goes into issue-based campaigns right we Mm -hmm. know that people are fighting for things like Mm -hmm. generally we're called activists, right? right? When you actually get a gig doing it, they call you a paid activist. <laughs> right. But there's there's just so much um, behind that, right? You, mm-hmm. We need to know policy. We need to mm-hmm. know politics. We need to know people. We need right. to have strong relationships in the community. So that is really, you know, the frame and the lens through which I see my work is really just motivating and empowering people to fight mm-hmm. for the things that we need for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if organizing was easy... We would be... Everyone would do it. Right. Everyone would do it. We would we would all be living in our mind's utopia. Like, things would be awesome if we could organize. So, let's get into where did you start? Because I think a lot of people have and don't know where, <clears throat> where to begin to make mm-hmm. an impact on their community. So, what was your start? What made you jump into the game? So, um... My professional background is actually in nursing. Okay. And I think that as nurses, like you, we are natural advocates, yes. right, for patients and families. I always worked in pediatrics, but I can remember when I was a teenager, um, my stepfather was locked up on a 25 to life sentence mm-hmm. for drugs. He, mm-hmm. he fell victim to the Rockefeller drug laws. So I accompanied my mom to Albany lots of times, fighting the fight to have his sentence vacated to, mm. to bring him home. Um, so eventually, you know, that that fight was was one in very incremental steps. But mm. he eventually came home. And um, now that I do organize, I look back on those days and watching what my mom went through. Mm-hmm. And she was just fighting for her husband. Right. right? Like, her I don't family. think that in my mind, I saw it as broader reforms. Like we was just trying to get our dad home. Right. And it, that is the way that I appeal to other people. Right. Like you have to find what a person's interest is in the movement. Um, So a lot of the work that I do around police reform, criminal justice reform, Mm -hmm. marijuana laws is like finding where it resonates with Mm -hmm. people, right? And I think that especially in Buffalo, like all of us know somebody that's been caught up in the system due to 
like low level possession charges and stuff like that. So I really just I search for those people and I search for the people who really want to be mm -hmm. to be active and to just help them be able to harness harness their power. Well, it's the work that you've been able to do on your own, you've been able to do with Open Buffalo is amazing. I'm not sure if people know what Open Buffalo is. Can you give them a little description? Yeah, Open Buffalo is very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so Open Buffalo is a movement for social change, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we do everything from run issues-based campaigns, mm -hmm. such as lowest law enforcement priority, which ultimately got the mayor to deprioritize marijuana arrests, mm -hmm. to high road economic development, which is a lot of the work that we've done around the fruit belt and our anti-displacement right. work. Um, and also one of the Best, I think the things that we do best and the things um, that I'm most proud of is our leadership development program in the form of a program called Emerging Leaders, um, where every year we train 25 community leaders in organizing skills. Mm. Um, and then the follow up to that program is called Democracy Fellows, which is a year long fellowship where community members are stipends to work on an independent project of their choosing. Awesome. Um, so that I mean, that's it's. It's a leadership development program unlike anything else that's available in the city. When we talk about leadership development, a lot of times it's exclusive and reserved yes, for, for the, the privileged right, and the few. Right. And we we have had people go through emerging leaders from all sectors, all stages of life. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated from the inaugural class in 2015, and that was really my trajectory into professional organizing mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, allow need to learn the skills that I needed to move the work that I wanted to do. In maybe 2016, 2015, 2016, do you remember the child was hit by a car on Moselle Street? Yes. So that was one of the one of the actions, um, you know, after Emerging Leaders, I remember being involved in and just like laying on the steps of City Hall and interrupting Common Council mm -hmm. meetings. And, you know, it was the training and leadership that I got through Open Buffalo that mm -hmm. really taught me how to work that process in an appropriate right. way to mm -hmm. get things done quicker. Right. Mm -hmm. So we want sidewalks for Moselle, but like right. in the broader scheme of things, like mm -hmm. I think about other things that we could have done better that would have made more mm -hmm. of an impact. So. So it's Open Buffalo nationwide. Open Buffalo is hyper local. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it is literally focused on the city of Buffalo. And um, now that we're on Jefferson Avenue, we are really focused on East Buffalo. Okay. Right. There's been some great organizing happening on the West side. Yes. And when you think about like organizing and the history and legacy that organizing has in Buffalo, it's been black and brown people who've been fighting right. these fights. Right. And I think that, you know, on the east side, we've been disinvested from for such a long time that people yes. feel very much defeated. Mm -hmm. um, so we just want to reignite that fire and get people fired up again and fight for the things that we actually want and need. Um, okay. We believe that communities know what we need and that we can speak for ourselves. Well, which is something that's awesome about Open Buffalo is all the people involved in the organization and its leadership 
look like us. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see an executive director like Franchelle Hart, um, who's been in the game for years. She was a union organizer. Now she's overseeing this program. So just to see her ascend to the position she's in and the respect that Open Buffalo has throughout this community. Like, this is not an Eastside thing. This is a city of Buffalo thing. And even folks in the suburbs are like, can we get ourselves, like, an open something? Because the work that you guys do is awesome. And it's really empowering just to see women who who look like us take on community issues and be successful. So kudos to the our Open Buffalo family. We appreciate them. Um, so let's jump into your criminal justice reform wins because you got a big win this year. Um, the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown, has a state of the city every year and he announces his priorities to Tons of folks, thousands of people in our convention center. And this year, it was a surprise to me because I wasn't expecting him to make an announcement on how he, what he plans to tell his police force moving forward in regards to small amounts of marijuana. So do you want to tell the people her win? Because this is definitely her win. Yeah, so... The announcement at the State of the City was also a surprise to me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. (laughs) So one of the first campaigns that I took on when I came on to Open Buffalo was statewide marijuana legalization. Mm -hmm. And we always look for ways to focus locally at Mm -hmm. Open Buffalo. Right. Like I said, we're a hyper-local organization. So we did some research along with Partnership for the Public Good Mm -hmm. and started pulling arrest data and it's like, wow, like we always knew that black people were arrested at higher rates. But right. In Buffalo and Erie County, black people are like seven to eight times more likely to be yes. arrested for simple mm-hmm. possession. Right. So what a lot of people don't know is that in 1977, 42 years ago, mm-hmm. New York State decriminalized marijuana already. So wait a is. minute. So we've been <laughs> I, when I was at the state Senate, we used to talk about marijuana decrim as if this is something that wasn't on the books already. But it right. was? It was. In okay. 1977, marijuana was decriminalized. So you can possess up to 25 grams <laughs> of marijuana. <laughs> and it is uh, not a crime, meaning it's not classified as a misdemeanor nor a felony. Um, it's actually a civil penalty. Okay. Which you can get a fine of, like, I think $100, right? So there is a loophole in that law that police often exploit. Okay. Which says that you can privately possess it cannot be in public view. Okay. So once the police stop you and you're Mm -hmm. minding your own business Mm -hmm. with an eighth in your pocket and Mm -hmm. say, empty your pockets, right? You think you're complying, but once this marijuana is in public view, now it's an arrestable offense. And that is a loophole that has been used to exploit black people for the last 42 years Mm -hmm. to lock people up for possessing small amounts of marijuana. So that is a part of the reason why we say like decrim is just not gone far enough. But anyway, back that to... That sounds like stop and frisk in New York City, right? Absolutely. Okay. That is absolutely the, the, the basis behind stop and frisk. And we don't call it that in Buffalo because this is a weird place and we just don't right. name things as they are. As they are. But right. it is the exact same thing that happens here, right? Mm. So as a part of the statewide campaign, we wanted to know, like, what can we do in Buffalo to affect arrest rates Mm -hmm. because our whole goal of justice and opportunity is to reduce the rates of arrests and incarceration by five percent over five years okay um and especially as it relates to black and brown people so we came up with this lowest law enforcement priority 
job. Um, so the first thing we did was we began to collect signatures and educate the public. Did mm -hmm. you know that marijuana has been decriminalized since 1977? Lots of people did not. Know. I just found out. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we began to educate people, mm -hmm. knock on doors, have community forums, collect signatures. We collected over 2,000 signatures. Mm -hmm. um, and I went to the Common Council. I talked to our council members and like had, tried to have someone to be the champion of this issue right. to no avail. Okay. Not a big deal. So, you know, we just pressed and pressured. There had been times where I would like see the mayor and I'd hold up a sign. Like, hey, tell Mayor Brown <laughs> yes. to make marijuana possession the lowest law enforcement priority. Mm -hmm. And you know how he is. Um, he's a great guy, yes, but like he he's is. super politically savvy, yes. right? Like <laughs> he's not gonna come out and like directly respond to many things. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said, it was it was we put a lot of work in and like however it happened, I'm glad that he responded. And you know, now's the time that we hold him and our police accountable and mm -hmm. we make sure that what he said is actually what's being done. Um, so the next phase is we're gonna start going into court and watching arraignment and making sure that people are not being brought in mm -hmm. on these low-level marijuana charges. So I used to consider random police blockades, Western New York's stop and frisk. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do is, you know, the police will just block a street off. And, you know, when you pull up to them, there can be many reasons they'll ask you to pull over to the side. So it can be the tints on your windows. Mm -hmm. It can be the smell of marijuana. It can be, you know, an inspection sticker that inspired, you know, expired the day before and they're asking you to pull over. Well, once they have the opportunity to pull you over, then they can have a conversation about all the things going on. Right. Decide to look through your car. Then, as you mentioned, they may find a little baggie of marijuana pull it out now all of a sudden it's, it's just, it has exposed you to be arrested or to show up in court and you know we've for years we've even seen that they have done those things in predominantly minor you know mm -hmm. areas where there are people of color and it's just hard to have those conversations with the with the police because I feel like first they assume we're attacking them mm -hmm. right they do have a hard job we understand that you have a difficult job but we should be able to open the dialogue with them to be able to address issues like this if, right. if, the, if the stats are showing you that 77 percent of your marijuana possession arrests are people of color then you may have an issue that you need to address right. or you know i think i also looked at your the ppg report that also mentioned that you know over 60 percent at one point of our police force weren't people of color right so when you have those biases walking on walking into the job of course, that's going to affect how you do your job. We, we're seeing this in healthcare. Mm -hmm. We're just now addressing it in healthcare. We should be able to address this with the police department. I did see that they sometimes question you in the stats. <laughs> how has your relationship w with them transformed throughout this time? Because it was probably met with some hostility at first. So. <sighs> we have a great relationship with partnership for the public good mm -hmm. and that is a good thing right? right so ppg is a think tank and they add the research to our lived experiences mm -hmm. so like i could be arrested 15 times and say that the police are unfairly targeting me and no one will listen until PPG some research comes and yes. backs it up and says like <laughs> actually Indy's been arrested 15 times like well I've been saying this all along right, right. um so we we really appreciate our relationship with them and the 
sort of the strange thing about it is that like we don't get data from the Buffalo police. Mm. We have to wait for the Buffalo police to send their data to the state and then we get it from the state to prove that these trends exist. exist. Mm -hmm. So we are still really working to try and establish good working relationship with mm -hmm. Buffalo police. But I mean, when you talk about the war on drugs and its failures, it is a rabbit hole, oh, yes. right? So like the reason why people are being arrested for marijuana is not because marijuana is this horrible thing. It's because in order to get federal funding, we need to be making a certain number of drug-related arrests. So if we can classify marijuana, which is a much less harmful substance than but, other yes. substances, it, but it's considered a drug. So it's like low-hanging fruit to meet the requirements to get funding to fund our police force. So we have, we can't have quotas for college admissions based on color, but we can have quotas based on how many people you arrest for things that affect people of color. Right. And... So I'm glad you brought that up because, like, <laughs> when you talk about usage among races... Right, we don't use it more. Black people and white people use that equal race. Yes. White people we e actually use just a little bit more because they have the privilege to do so and, and, not and get the arrested. comfort of their homes and not get arrested where, like, a lot of us are scared shitless, right? Mm. Like, I'm not a consumer. I don't use marijuana. Right. I advocate for my people right. because I know that it's just... It's, it's unfair. Right. Right? And people use cannabis for a variety of reasons and that's also why like when I hear people say like we're gonna legalize recreational marijuana I'm like mm. like no one uses marijuana for anything recreation else. you mm -hmm. know what I mean like we don't call alcohol like recreational beer or recreational mm -hmm. wine like don't <laughs> frame it right like people are doing something for fun, cannabis is medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So like, just like people have a glass of wine after work, after a long day, right. some people have cannabis to unwind, help them with their anxiety, help mm -hmm. them with chronic pain. Um, we've acknowledged that it has medicinal purposes, but yes. we have not destigmatized it. And that's yeah. a big part of the problem. So since the mayor has moved forward with basically making marijuana arrests a low level priority, what's the next step for the city? So New York City just, I believe it passed yesterday, but they introduced a whole slate of reforms. Everything from directing child mm -hmm. protective services to stop removing children mm -hmm. for marijuana, because like, we we fo we we focus on the criminal justice aspect like that's I feel like the sexy part of it. Mm. But what we're not talking about is like how many children have been removed from the homes of their mothers mm. because of marijuana, the suspicion of the the use of. I used to be a school nurse, and when child protective workers would come in, one of the first questions they would ask those kids is, "Does your mom drink? And does your mom smoke?" And if she does, what does she smoke? Does it smell funny? Does she smoke blunts, mm. right? So like that is a line of questioning that is inherently racist and biased and like a intrusive way to remove the children from the care of, of their, their mothers, home. right? Like, mm -hmm. so I, I think that the city can definitely take it one step further. I'm still searching for our champion in the common council who's gonna raise these issues about how cannabis is treated in the black community so that we can start to work on other systems outside of the criminal justice system. Mm. Back in December, there was a man in Niagara Falls who was removed from his federally subsidized housing because he was a medical marijuana patient. Like he legally had access to cannabis and they kicked him out of his house. He was like 70 years old. Um, so we, we have lots of work still 
to do. So where can people find out more information about um, the work that you're doing and how can they get involved? Where should they go? Absolutely. They can go to openbuffalo.org. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Um, they can email me, india at openbuffalo.org. I, I respond to emails almost incessantly. Um, and you can also go to smart-newyork.com, smart, S-M-A-R-T, dash ny.com um, and join the statewide coalition um, smart stands for sensible marijuana access um, through regulated trade so awesome that's what we're that's what we're looking for there's so much to talk about when we talk about criminal justice reform india thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having i me. appreciate you the work that you do is awesome What's up, what's up? Listen, y'all, this is my homie, Hank. Hola. The homie, Hank Porowski. And you know, he, he is a Democrat, depending on the day of the week. But I would consider him a conservative Democrat. This would be the best accurate description. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So, of course, there are tons of days we don't get along. Well, we always get along, but I don't, may not agree with him. Like, I may not agree with his politics. Disagree agreeably. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we've had crazy debates with each other in the past, but I definitely wanted to get one on camera because 45 is crazy. <laughs> Something happens every week. And you know what? As a Democrat, he will give props while props is due, right? And that's hard for me to do. Like, it's hard for me to ignore everything else and him as a person, like 45 as a person. But for the good of the country, we're you will. We're in agreement that 45 as a person is a horrible yes. human being. Horrible. <laughs> okay, we're in agreement. Okay. That. There's no disagreement. But that. you will we're give him props. It's just hard yes, for me. absolutely. It's hard for me to do that sometimes. It really is. I care about the policy, not the person putting forward the policy. See, and sometimes I'll be like, sometimes the messenger matters. Like, <laughs> come on now. Sometimes the messenger matters. So anyway, we're going to jump right into this conversation. Is there anything that people should know about you before moving forward? Because, look, he's active in his community. He has held public office before, which is so cool at his young age. As you can see, he looks young, okay? He is young. Um, he's held office. You've been council president yes. for the city of Lackawanna, where I'm from, suburb of Buffalo, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has experience on both sides, like as a citizen and as a politician, as a public servant. He's done a lot of great things in his short life, right? So I'm saying all that to say, cut him some slack because, you know, <laughs> we about to. OK, so let's get into this. Last week, the, the Mueller report that everyone was Finally. expecting to be Finally. the like, I don't know, the, the, the nail in the coffin that, you know, listen, the media will portray things in one way when the folks on the ground are living the, the polar opposite of that. So, you know, the media made it seem as if the Democrats was waiting on this report that was gonna make sure that Donald Trump was impeachable the minute the report was released. I mean, we had cameras staked outside the, um, the office, the investigation was held in. I mean, there was speculation that it was ending soon, so they've been staking out there for two Rachel weeks. Rachel Maddow left her trout fishing trip to make sure she got back from MSNBC. I it mean. Was, uh, it was the apocalypse coming 
for 45. Exactly. And I mean, you know, they ain't trying to leave trout fishing. So you know it was about to get real. There's, but there's what something happened? you said there that's extremely, I think, important. What? Is the total topic. What the media portrays and what the truth is on the ground are night and day differences. That's the reason Total. why Trump is a president right now when everyone thought he had no chance. Right. Uh, even your guest previously, the probably answer that topic with your cousin, uh, the media portrays and infiltrates our everyday life. Yes, they do. And no matter how much we think we're independent thinkers, we are shaped by the constant barrage of media, of mm -hmm. public people, of the news, of rappers, mm -hmm. of celebrities. Mm -hmm. It constantly hits us yes. all day long, every day. We don't think it is. We think we're independent, but we're not. We're, we're constantly being barraged with points of view that aren't ours right. to the point where we think they're ours. Mm -hmm. And the media did a huge disservice to this country with the Mueller report. Mm, you think so? An absolute disservice. I... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. Trying to push this narrative to the point of it was inevitable that he was getting impeached on a release of this report. Mm. If you listen to MSNBC, CNN, any of the Twitterati, any of your SNL shows, this was the apocalypse. This was the end. He's getting impeached. New reports out. Right. You're and right. Because they built it up to such a degree of its inevitability, of it's absolutely going to happen. There's no doubt. Everyone, it was a catchphrase. Wait to the report. Wait to the report. Yeah. Now it's out. And you can't accept the results, that there was no collusion. I might, I might. <laughs> That's the part that kills me. It's yeah. out. It's here. Okay, there's absolutely no collusion. People like myself listening to this on the nudia with my friends, dear mm -hmm. friends, who are telling me this is a, just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. And in my back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is common sense. There was no collusion. I and don't know. I, I don't know if quiet. it was common sense because he he was shooting himself in the foot on many occasions. The reason we have this report is of his own doing. He and he created enough chaos by saying a whole lot of things that made him look real questionable. Because if 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 there was if there was a different Democrat saying it, mm -hmm. we we would have had a, that Democrat under investigation too. Like, can, can you admit that he was shooting himself in the foot? This is where we agree. On many occasions. he says a lot of really, really dumb things. And he says it often. He shoots off in the hip. And he says I the agree. first thing that comes to his he mind. He ain't smart. And he's not helping himself. I'm <laughs> no, not he's, he's not. not smart. I'm saying he says a lot of dumb things. You could, you could, not be, you could say dumb things and be a smart person. Uh, but yes, that's he absolutely smart. brought on more scrutiny than he needed. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and that's of his own doing. He says things all Definitely. the time. Definitely. thinking. Right. But... When it comes down to it, there was no evidence of collusion. The whole, the whole thing was started with a FISA warrant based off of a dossier that was unverified by the director of FBI's own saying. When the FISA reports come out, they'll have a FISA. This is, this is where I'm a constitutionalist, of all things. I believe I'm a very strict constitutionalist. And the Fourth yes, Amendment yes, is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> and that comes with criminal justice reform. That comes with all aspects. The Fourth Amendment illegal search and seizure is a huge thing for me. Mm -hmm. The FISA courts are a step that I personally don't agree with in mm -hmm. their entirety as is. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to give a secret court the ability to monitor and take away our rights, because that's what they're doing. I mean, the, the Patriot Act. The, I, I hate the Patriot Act. Okay. Uh, they, I, that was one of the things President <laughs> Obama got my vote the first time because he said he was getting rid of it. And yes. I was excited for that. Mm -hmm. But these things, every time there's these crises like this, they erode our constitutional liberties that are given to us not by man, but by God by our creator. Mm -hmm. And when you're given a court the ability to monitor our lives mm -hmm. based off of fake evidence that's been proven to be fake, that's not just something that's going to hurt the president and has to divide our country. That's a precedent that's going to be set for all Americans going forward. Well, so this is where I will disagree. There were parts of the dossier that were proven to be true. Which ones? 
I, I did not write them all down. Like it's so much to this conversation, <laughs> but there there are. So if you if you want to go out there and do your research on the dossier that was that was a wasn't that originally started with a, a Republican campaign and then the Hillary Clinton campaign picked it up. We do not have time to go back to the beginning of this conversation because there's FISA warrants. There is the you know the firing of Jim Comey that was originally stated to be done for one thing, but then Trump goes on TV tells a reporter that he actually did it because he didn't like something else. So we don't have time to get into all of the Mueller investigation nonsense. But I do want us to go back to the conversation that says that talks about how it doesn't there. There were there was definitely no collusion. However, were we able to find out some really important information about how we did have we do have foreign adversaries that will do will use our social media platforms to try to make an impact on our election? Yes, I think that is an important conversation we should have. Is and how news? we cozy up? Yes, I think it's totally news that we discuss how that. how a government will use our own anxieties our own civil discourse and the things that that separate us and to make us dislike each other in order to keep us from going to the ballot booth to the ballot booth that i think that is an is an, that's an important conversation so yes we spent 2 years on an investigation that didn't find that the president colluded but we did find out things that i think are really important and i also feel like it's unfortunate that we had to have, you know, a two-year inv- investigation in order for them to find out that there are people that in our government who will take advantage of the system to benefit themselves, and you know, at the expense of our nation, which I think is a problem because there are people who did take some guilty pleas. A lot of them were technical guilty pleas, so I'll admit to that. They lie into the FBI. But but why lie? So if we want to, you know, that's the purpose of the show. If we want to, you know, pay attention to, you know, if character is important when it comes to the people who are overseeing our government, then we need to know their flaws and we need to know their background. And we, we spend a lot of time investigating people who are doing petty things as opposed to people who are who are a part of the swamp that is D.C. You know, these were career Washington, D.C. bureaucrats who were taken down by this investigation. And I don't want to I don't want to negate that, because if you're a criminal, you're a criminal, white collar, blue or whatever you whatever it is. So, you know, I don't think that we need to, you know, discredit those things, because I think they are important. No, we, we there's a lot to digest there, mm-hmm. uh, but we agree on some points. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one. Criminal is criminal, and uh, white collar crime. I hate the fact it's called white collar because it's right. Yeah, it makes it seem as if it's but not as yes. as bad as the other. It's, as, a cr- crime. it's a crime, <laughs> and the penalties are much harsher for much minor offenses when the white right. collar crimes are much more devastating to our country. Exactly. When you get to the minutia as far as for Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, yeah, Flynn, Cohen, yes. Again, I don't think these are good people. I think they're extremely intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go back into history, Roger Stone and Paul Manafort started the influx of money into our government. Yes, they did. The first ever political action committee. Yes, they did. In the early 80s. In the 80s. And now we know with Citizens United what that's grown to be in the end once become. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have no sympathy for them in any which way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. What bothers me is the way they were caught. And you 
say, well, lying to the police. And you say you're lying to the FBI. Like, why, how dumb can you be? Why would right. you lie to you're the FBI? Right. Sounds like common sense. But when you look at what they do, it's you ask me what I did January 6th, and I say I had dinner at 7 o'clock, mm -hmm. and then it comes out that was actually January 5th. I just lied to the FBI. Now, yes, I'm, but I'm you know it wasn't simple. that easy. No, I'm making oh, it very okay. simple. As long as you understand, it was course, not that simple. It, it was like, simple. did you sit down with the Russians to discuss adoption, or did you discuss sanctions? And yes. then they got you recorded talking about sanctions, and you're not even in the White House yet, like yes. you're 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 taking too you're going too far ahead of yourself. Yes, but with Paul Manafort, first of all, that that's common practice. Once the incoming administrations in office to open up relationships with other governors, it's common practice. It wasn't the first time. Now he's just I, I would have stupid enough. Probably, yeah, to, to lie about, to about it. You could have, yeah, you. Which was idiotic, and he had such mm -hmm. a bravado about him that he allowed yes. the FBI to interrogate him without an attorney present. Which again, stupid. Uh, cocky. So, yes, cocky. That's the best mm -hmm. one. It's cocky and arrogant. Uh, so, again, I have no sympathy for that in that manner. But the way you weaponize our Department of Justice to break people, okay? And now this works on both levels, on higher levels and short levels. I was about to say, because we know. Works on both it, levels. We, we've I've, seen the police break people in small communities, absolutely. too. And when you have a minor offense, and mm -hmm. before it's a minor offense, in, mm -hmm. a, in a minority community especially. They're going to put every charge in the world against <laughs> exactly. you. And then they're going to offer you a plea deal. Right, exactly. And you're going to say, why would anybody that's innocent plead guilty? Well, if you're looking at 40 years <laughs> right. and you could do something, or you can be out in two if you plead guilty, that's a tough decision so, Yes, to it is. Yes, it is. And people don't understand the way that our criminal justice system is basically against us instead of for us. Yeah. You know, we say we are all innocent until proven guilty, but mm -hmm. when you're staring down the barrel of looking at 30 years and they offer you a year, mm -hmm. you're going to say, I, okay. Right. You can't afford the lawyer. You can't afford exactly. the appeal process. So, yeah, and I, I agree with you. And that also happens on people of a more higher income level. Mm -hmm. okay. Especially when you're, the FBI is coming for you then, so, you yeah. Can't, you fight the law, the law wins. Yes. <laughs> and they have a 98%, like, conviction rate. Like the, yes, yes, the FBI, 98%. Like, they don't lose cases. So when they come for you, they have to make sure their ducks are in a row. But just like... Anyone in a position of power, when you were to win, you'll do whatever it takes to win. And as you stated, you, I mean, you will figure out a way to put enough pressure on a person to flip, to snitch, to, Absolutely. you know, to agree to something in writing because you want a lower plea deal. I mean, and it happens all the time. We are not allowed to lie to cops. Cops are allowed to lie to us. Exactly. I mean, that, <laughs> the dichotomy of that is crazy. And I'm 100% I'm mm -hmm. pro, you know, cops and pro blue. Yes. But, I mean, I've also been young and knucklehead and been in an interrogation room and knew they were lying to me. Yes. <laughs> They're going to tell you that your friend snitched on you. We know you did it. They're going to tell you they got your DNA. You got my DNA in six hours? Man, you're good. Right. But they will say <laughs> right. whatever right. to get you to, to basically rat yourself out. Mm-hmm. And some people will say, well, you shouldn't do anything bad. You won't have those problems. Mm -hmm. Well, you can live in your ivory tower if you want. Right. I live in the real world. Yes. Sometimes we do things. Mm -hmm. So I did an Instagram poll. All right. You know, I'm using uh -oh. that Instagram story. I know, right? <laughs> and I asked my, um, the folks that follow me and we, you know, go back and forth, if you even paid attention to the Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. And... I, the outcome was what I expected. It was pretty much 50-50. Um, I actually expected it to be more like 30-70 swinging, not pay attention, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, but it was 50-50, which to me is does 
a reflect, you know, the the like broader American conversation mm -hmm. because the country right now is at a split point. Like it's it's hard for us to um, dividing us is is a much easier thing to do when people in power want to keep power, right? Absolutely. As long as we're not on one accord, as long as we're not discussing the things that we agree upon, then it's we're able to you know they're able to profit and exploit the fact that we won't communicate with each other Absolutely. so i thought that that was just an interesting thing to see and i think that's what we're also seeing on like gallup polls and you know when we're paying attention to some Absolutely. of that stuff um that the country <coughs> is is divided and not everyone paid attention to this but that's because they're going to work like there are real yeah, things that they need to do. To right uh, our country, I think it's fair to say, is as divided as it ever has been in our uh, lifetime. Yes, now, I'm a history I agree. major, so I understand lifetimes been different times with different mm -hmm. eras. But for my lifetime, it's never been this way. Mm -hmm. And this is where the fake news stuff that we like to joke around about mm -hmm. has gained so much traction. Yes. Okay, the media makes money off dividing us, period. Mm -hmm. Period. The media does not make money off of having us all on the same page and saying living honky-dory lives is one yeah. of our business. If you look at the media, it does not talk about accomplishments. It talks about things that went wrong. Right. And, and that's what they do to uh, to make money. And that's the reason why you see the polls 50-50. With the Mueller investigation, if you were pro-Trump, you feel validated. If you were against Trump, you say, well, let's see the whole report. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. Okay, It's going to be the exact same as it always has been. Right. Uh, one side feels vindicated, one side feels that there's going to be another conspiracy. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the obstruction of justice charge is also, in my opinion, a joke, because the reason why you could not exonerate him and from obstruction of justice is because they are basically, in essence, and we'll know for sure when the report comes out, mm -hmm. but I'm prognosticating here, they're saying they couldn't, even though he did things that could be construed as obstruction of justice, the firing of Comey, some other things he said, right. the emails, there was no underlying crime. So if there's no crime, how are you obstructing justice? Yeah, and I also think that when you when they didn't have a conversation directly with the president, it's hard to get his intent. So how can you give him an obstruction of justice charge when you don't know his intent? I mean, you you can go off of tweets. He does make some some he does say some things that are stupid, but because he didn't have that conversation is what I think is the crux on the um, the obstruction of justice case. But I think it's important that we see the whole report because at the end of the day, I. I want a Democrat in the White House for 2020, and I'm sure he did some things that were unsavory, close enough where he's touching the line of obstruction that we need to be using to get him out of office because 2020 is important and he's got to go. And the Mueller report did everything but help your case. I mean, I feel like we need details. Show us the full report. We need details. So listen, <laughs> for the sake of time, He'll be back on the show for us to have this conversation. Y'all know the deal. If we can send 100,000 men and women to war, we can most certainly send them to vote 45 out in 2020. Okay, local elections are really important. Um, so, right, is there anywhere <laughs> the folks should look for you? Are you on uh, social media? I am on social media. I'm on Facebook. I have Twitter. I'm inactive. I'm starting to pick it up some more. Okay. Uh, but I will be getting more involved, especially looking forward to four years from now. So Listen. I'll be getting more involved on all aspects. I'll make sure his name is spelled correctly in the description for this episode. This was Citizen the Pod.
What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kina Zantel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zantel. And hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.